It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, it's Ron Johnson. Coming up on the Ron Johnson Show, it's cut day. It's the worst day in football for a lot of guys that are out there without a job. And we are going to talk about who got cut and who the Vikings should bring in that got cut from another team. We also have Mike Grimm coming up on the Daily Three and the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. This is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. I'm Ron Johnson. We're going to bring Sam Ekstrom in, my producer. As we jump into today's show, we got some, some, some hot topics to talk about. First off, QB3, not going to be Kellen Mond. Uh, we, we could have figured that out the minute he, uh, the minute they signed and traded for Nick Mullins. Uh, we knew that QB2 wasn't an option, but we thought maybe QB3 could be an option. Why? He's young. Uh, doesn't cost a lot of money to keep him around. But you know what? The Vikings are in a place where they feel like if this guy is not our guy, there's no purpose of holding him if he can possibly go somewhere else. So I, I do respect the move because in their mind, they probably feel like, you know what? Maybe he can go somewhere else and actually get a shot and be somebody else's backup and, and work in a system that works for that team. You know, you look at the Titans, you look at some of these other teams that have mobile quarterbacks. Maybe he fits better in their offense than he does here. The Eagles with Jalen Hurts could be his backup, um, but it's not going to be with Minnesota. Another interesting one, though, Tyler Johnson. The Buccaneers released Tyler Johnson, 36 catches last year, had a good rookie season, won a Super Bowl. Um, but whatever's going on in, in Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, Tyler Johnson just wasn't in the plans. Minnesota. I think they're what 12 or 15th in the in the waiver wire line goes from worst to first. Um, can he make it all the way to them? Possibly. So when you're looking at receiver five, you know, BC Johnson goes down. You got Amir Smith Marset. Uh, he's probably not probably he's four. You got Jalen Naylor and, and you got rid of Albert Wilson and you still have Tristan Jackson. But if you don't feel like Tristan Jackson or Jalen Naylor is a true five, and you're like, uh, eh, we really do need five receivers when we think about what the Rams did and what Kevin O'Connell's trying to do. Tyler Johnson can give you 35 catches. He can give you three to four touchdowns. He's a blocking receiver. He can play the X. He can play the Z. He can play in the slot. Um, he's a veteran as well. So, you know, he, he can pick up the offense. And he's from, he's a local kid from here. You know, playing for the Vikings is probably a dream when he's at North Minneapolis High School. So I don't see why not. But jumping back into this Kellen Mond conversation, um, I feel like, not to say a weight's been lifted off our shoulders, but I feel like we finally can put that to rest. Like there were so many Mondiacs out there uh, that really just thought we got to give Kellen Mond a chance. I was one of them. I was like, give this guy a package. Give him like a running type of RPO package and see if he can do it. But the RPO was not in this offense. It was in Stefanski's. It was in the guy before that. Um, can't remember his name. Came from the Eagles. DeFilippo. Uh, DeFilippo. Um, you know, but it never really came to fruition. We never really did the true RPO. Like, we never really saw it. Um, so if you're not going to do it, yeah, maybe Kellen Mond's not your guy because he was coming from a Texas A&M type of RPO-style offense, and he was really good at that. So that's why I say maybe the Eagles. Maybe the Eagles has a home for him because they still do it. 
with Jalen Hurts. And, you know, why not have a backup that can do it just as well? Um, so, you know, it, it's tough when you see guys get cut like that. But, you know, again, they have to get cut down by 3 p.m. today. So it's going to be a lot of a lot of movement on the waiver wire. Um, somebody on Twitter, actually, because I just tweeted that about Tyler Johnson. Somebody gave me a good idea. Why not just trade the Bucks a seventh round pick instead of waiting for waivers? Because the waivers aren't official until you turn them in. Like we're just seeing the whole like Adam Schefter and the team make comment, but it's not completely done until they actually turn it in and fax it in, which is so old school. Um, but they fax it in, but just like uh, letters of intent. I didn't realize players have to still fax their letter of intent into the school for it to be an official like, okay, you're on our team now. Also, players still they still have to fax that in to the NFL and say, hey, we're cutting this guy. Here's the waiver. And then they literally type it up on the waiver wire on the computer system. So until that happens, they could still reach out to the Bucks last minute. Hey, hey, we'll give you a seven round pick for Tyler Johnson if you don't want him. Um, and if that happens, that would be a great move by Quasey, but we'll see. Who knows? Who knows? There's probably other guys they have their eye on. Other Rams players are waiting to. We talked about that with Rams guys getting cut and, and who is Kevin O'Connell going to gravitate to? Well, guys he knows. Who are other coaches going to gravitate to? Guys they've coached. Uh, so we'll see what this looks like. It's not going to be the old Mike Zimmer getting guys that used to play for Mike Zimmer because he's not here anymore. Um, so now it's going to be a totally new Tuesday, Wednesday of cut down day. Uh, but that's where I go with that, Sam. I think, you know, Kellen Mond, it was, it was time to move on. Clearly Nick Mullins is too. The question is, is, is Sean Mannion going to be three? Because there is a designation now where uh, you get 10 practice squad players and you get six non-designated practice squad, meaning they don't have to be rookies or sec, you know, first or second year players without any experience. Uh, you have six spots now. And I don't know if this is COVID or this is just the rule they changed with the CBA, but you get six spots now for practice squad for guys that doesn't matter how much they play, you can stash them on the practice squad. So if Kelly or if Sean Mannion's willing to do that, be the third quarterback, be on practice squad as a vet, and then still be serviceable. I mean, you still make a decent amount of money uh, to just play football. So, you know, not to say it's better than going to get a job, but it might be better because you're a quarterback. You're not getting hit at all. You're, you're a backup quarterback, so you're not even getting hit in games. Um, so, hey, it's a great opportunity to still do it. And if Kirk gets COVID, who knows? If, if, if they think Nick Mullins is not ready, maybe Sean Mannion comes in and plays a game or two. So, uh, or gets hurt. I mean, stranger things have happened. But that's that's what happened today. Kellamon's no more. It's now Nick Mullins and then possibly Sean Mannion on the practice squad. We shall see. But I don't know. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I think it's the right move on Mond. Uh, I just think he never gained any traction here. And the fact that he couldn't gain any traction with this new coaching staff, which really gave him a good chance to win that backup job. They wanted him to be the backup. They let him play with the ones when Kirk was out, and they let him play with the twos, and they let him start preseason games. And they tried. They tried their best, and it just wasn't there for him in practice, wasn't there for him in the games. Right move there. And I think that Sean Mannion – He's built such a home here. I mean, four years in Minnesota, <clears throat> if they offer him a practice squad spot, I, I think he might accept it. I don't know if there's going to be other teams pining for Sean Mannion to be on their roster or practice squad. And I think that Mannion might say, hey, I'll, uh, I'll stick around here where I'm comfortable and I'm wanted. And if someone comes knocking to be, uh, to be a, a rostered guy for a million dollars, then yeah, I'll take that. But uh, may as well make a hundred grand in Minnesota until that day comes so i think he could definitely accept a practice squad assignment because the vikings probably do need ron a third quarterback in the building they can't just roll with kirk and mullins as their only two yeah true and we know Kelly, we know uh, kevin o'connell loves throwing you know the little pre-game uh pat and go fade route so you'll see coach out there as well throwing some balls but yeah no they do need a qb3 when you think about how practices go 
Um, usually it's 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 a rookie because you just can get him on the practice squad and he's literally just out there throwing. Uh, you got Chris Streveler who's getting released. The Jets are alert, uh, alerted him. He's going to get released. So Streveler could be a third guy to come in and be a third practice squad type guy because he's actually been really good in the NFL, uh, really good in, Can- in Canada, and won a bunch of games for the Jets this preseason. Um, so that's a guy to keep your eye on as well, that if the Vikings don't get him, he's going to end up somewhere on somebody's either third QB or practice squad, maybe somebody's backup, but probably not. But, you know, that's another name out there that has some gopher ties to it, Minnesota ties. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, this Tyler Johnson, I just tweeted it, and it's already blowing up. So it's funny how many people agree because everybody – I'm seeing Bucks people, you know, tweeting that that's a surprising cut. So that's the nature of the beast in the NFL, though. You just never know. But there it is. Kellen Mond is no more in Minnesota. And coming up on the Ron Johnson Show, we're going to have voice of gopher football, Mike Grimm. Yes, the McGreedy funeral, Mike Grimm. The win up high for it, Mike Grimm. But before we do that, we have a word from our sponsors. Life is expensive. There are a lot of things that are taking the money out of our wallets, and that's why you have to turn to Dave. It's the banking app. They can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your gas tank. Buy wedding gifts, the holiday season coming up, Christmas presents right around the corner, catching up on some bills. You can tackle those pesky expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest, no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you are in a pinch and need some extra help, download Dave and think of it as a helping hand from future you. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. When you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and I talk football every day on the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives a sports anchor's perspective on superior sports talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together all the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed on LockedOnPodcast.com backslash Minnesota or wherever you find your podcast. And you can find our videos on Locked On Minnesota Sports or Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel. Well, it's that time of the show where we're going to hang out with Ron Johnson. And today's guest, we got Mike Grimm, voice of Gopher football. Uh, You've heard some of his most famous calls, uh, one of which was go up high for it. But he said went up high for it. And then, of course, Minnesotans just especially those who listen to the power trip. They just don't understand English sometimes, and it became a pie for it. So I don't understand why you would win a pie for it, but it became a thing as we bring Mike Grimm in. Mike, I want to uh, thank you for joining me on the show today, Mike. And before we jump into this, Mike, when you said he went up high for it, did you yes. ever think that it would become a thing? Of course not. So that was P.J. Fleck's first game as gopher coach. Tyler Johnson made a great catch on a Connor Rota pass. I remember it. It's actually, Ron, I looked it up. It's It was five years ago uh, this week. Of course, it was a season wow. opener against Buffalo. So five years ago tomorrow, August 31st. Um, and so he goes and catches it. And live in action, I say he, you know, I I'm, I'm sometimes speak a little quickly. And I said he went up high for it went up high for it and then they played that highlight on the power trip the next day and Corey cove thought i said win a pie for it meaning like tyler johnson's gonna win a 
a pie. A pie. And yep. so that that has become a meme. I, I joke a lot now that I'm probably the only college announcer in the country who is probably <laughs> his best known call is something he never said. Right. Think about that. I legitimately didn't say what I'm getting credit for saying, but it's fun. I, you know, we've played along with it. I've brought those guys pies before, and I was at a fishing, um, the Gophers had a fishing um, outing in central Minnesota about two years after maybe. And yep. um, there were people that had signs that said, win a pie for it. And still to this day, occasionally on Twitter, someone will hashtag win a pie. So no, I didn't expect it. In fact, that was a Thursday night game. I slept in the next day because it gets to be a late night and I woke up around nine o'clock and my phone had, I can't remember, I'm going to say 50 to 70 text messages from people. Um, Are you listening to this? You getting a load of this? They're, they're talking about you. And then like two or three voicemails from Cove. And um, I ended up, I think I ended up, so it must've been a little before nine because I did end up at the end of the show calling in. So it was, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to love it. And, and and it's funny that it's Corey Cole because Corey seems to usually be the most level-headed of the group. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would have assumed Meat Sauce would have started that. Uh, but also Meat Sauce is a former football player, so Meat Sauce probably does understand what you were saying, yeah. uh, whereas now it makes a little bit more sense. Corey and Chris Hawkey, not the biggest sports guys when it comes to football especially. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I, I could definitely could see that. So, Mike, <laughs> we have a big game on the horizon, uh, but for game day. You know, this whole summer, you know, since February basically, there's been no football since February. So you got March, April, May, June, July – August. So we got almost six months of just boredom and tiredom and annoying sports that sometimes you're like, why is that play even being called? And now we get to the granddaddy of them all and it's football season. And when you think about you, Mike Grimm, you know, you wake up Thursday morning, have a pretty long, you know, relaxing morning day, and then you have to get in the game day mode. What are you looking forward to most with college game day being back? Yeah, well, that's, you know, it's my favorite time of the year for a number of reasons, fall. Um, and Thursday, this Thursday, um, it'll be a long, a long day, but that's that's why we do it. I'm actually going to be out with PA uh, promoting the broadcast on, on uh, his show uh, out at the State Fair on Thursday morning. I think I'll be on at 9, so uh, hang out with him for a little while and then probably head over to campus and, um, you know, continue to do some some uh, prep work. I, I As uh, they say in my home state of Iowa, by Thursday at that point, if I don't have all the hay in the barn, uh, then I haven't done my job <laughs> right. So I, I usually on game day feel pretty relaxed. Um, I don't get nervous anymore, but, man, do I get excited. And, um, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be totally stoked and ready to go and, uh, when the ball gets gets kicked in the air on Thursday night. Yeah, you're right. It's been a long wait, uh, you know, and I thought the way the season ended last year, uh, winning the ax at home for the first time in forever, mm-hmm. and then really dominating that bowl game against West Virginia. Um, and then, you know, you add a few pieces recruiting class wise, and um, I'm, I'm eager to see how good this team can be. Cause I, I do think it's a, it's a pretty good group of players and they got some depth and we can talk more on, on that specific, but, but yeah, I'm excited for the season. doesn't guarantee anything that you have a good team and sometimes good teams right. don't always win but um i think they've got a good team yeah i mean because i was i was uh blessed by my wife with the opportunity to go to the uh bowl game in arizona uh it was my christmas gift so we flew down it was a surprise so we flew down she had already set it up with the gophers to have tickets and stuff and so you know we got to see heather fleck a little bit in the suite and hung out with uh coil and some of the presidents and the regents 
Um, so it was a cool experience just to be down there. You know, some other former Gophers went. So I'm kind of like spoiled now. Like I, I, I hadn't been to a bowl game. I told Pete because PJ and I talked on the field after, and I'm like, I hadn't been to a bowl game since I played. Like literally, I had not been touched a stadium in 20 some odd years. And so it was actually fun to be down there in Arizona, get a chance to hang out. So now I'm kind of spoiled. Now I'm like, I, I, cause at first, honestly, I never really cared for the simple fact of, I wanted people to go to the best bowl game possible, but I didn't think about the travel. Now I'm like, man, let's, let's get to Orlando. Like it's yeah. time to, cause I, I want to go down there now and hopefully it works out. And that's the thing too. It has to work out my Viking schedule because the Gophers game was perfect. Cause it was in the middle of the week. And then I still was able to make it back to do the Vikings game. So I need, and, and again, I'm being a little bit selfish, maybe and spoiled and pretentious, but I need a bowl game that happens during the week. So it doesn't interfere with the Vikings game coming up on that Sunday uh, or Saturday, depending on if it's a December game, because I know there's some some flex games. Uh, can't be on Christmas, because I think the Vikings play on Christmas this year. Uh, so yeah, so I have a lot of I have a lot of wish lists for bowl games, but now it's, it's week one, and I'm already excited about getting the six wins. Um, trick question for you, Mike, or, or, or hot seat question for you. When you look at the Gophers' current schedule, you know, you got Colorado, Western Illinois, and you got uh, New Mexico uh, State with uh, Jerry Kill. That's three wins, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Then you got Michigan State, you got Illinois, you got Purdue in there. Uh, how many games, like, do you think it's going to be six to seven or eight games before the Gophers are bowl eligible to get to that six wins? Boy, that is a good question. Uh, that's an interesting way to phrase it, too. Uh, um and the way the schedule unfolds, you're right. I mean, Colorado is no bargain. I and mean, anytime you're playing a power five team, you can't, you know, guarantee that. But um, they did not look very good last year. Colorado, the Gophers beat them 30 to nothing out in, in Boulder. And that game, that could have been 45 nothing, you know, at, at uh, the end of the day. So you hope that Minnesota has improved and, and can continue to, to win that game. So you win that, you're 3-0. and um, And then you got, you know, the Big Ten season starts. And, and uh, all of those games are going to be a challenge. So um, I, I would hope if, if, if you want to end up where you want to end up, and that's Indianapolis, mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, at the end of the regular season. And then who knows after that, if you get to Indianapolis, you get, you know, you're talking about, you know, checking the schedule. Um, you know, I don't, uh, Ron, I don't care if the Vikings play on New Year's Day. If the Gophers end up going to the Rose Bowl, <laughs> you're skipping Vikings. You're skipping Vikings. You have to skip Vikings for that game. To hell with the Vikings if the Gophers make the Rose Bowl for that day. Um, but anyway, I mean, we're talking a big game now. But um, if that's where you end up, you're probably going to have to get to bowl eligibility in six or seven weeks, right? Uh, right. Because yep. November presents such a challenge. Um, you know, if you can get to bowl eligibility in six or seven weeks, um, build in a little wiggle room, but you're not going to have much because, um, you know, to, to win the division, you're probably going to have to get through it seven and two. Um, you know, six and three maybe, but seven and two or better is probably going to be it. So um, if it takes you eight weeks to get to six wins or nine weeks, uh, you're probably not going to accomplish what you want to accomplish, which doesn't mean it's a terrible year or a failure. Like they could go right. eight and four and not win the West. And I think that 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 can be that that could mean you're better than you were last year, even though the record might be the same, you know. But um, I would say you got to be six or seven weeks to get to bowl eligibility, and then and then really um, you hit your you hit your uh, stride. Hopefully that first weekend in November, going to Lincoln, and um, you know beat the Cornhuskers and see what the rest of the month takes you because you finish with Iowa and Wisconsin, and and at the end of the day, if your head's above water and you got those two games left on the schedule, likely mm -hmm. you're controlling your own destiny if you if you get done what you needed to before that. Yeah, because that's what I was going to say. I, I look at Rutgers and Nebraska back-to-back. -back. You got October 29th, November 5th. 
I think that's week eight, nine. Those for sure are going to put you bowl eligible because uh, we know Nebraska, even if they're winning, they're going to kick an onside kick and find a way to lose the game. So we'll be good there. Um, Penn State, I think Penn State is a beatable team. I think Michigan State, honestly, is their toughest game in that grouping of eight games. You got Michigan State, 15th in the nation. It'll be early in the season after they've played a couple uh, hard ones. But if you can come out and really put your foot Oh, Michigan State's throwed early, run the ball because Mo Ibrahim, he has to stay healthy. If they can run the ball, I think they can run the ball on anybody in the country. So if Mo Ibrahim can put his throat on their neck, that's a game you can win. All of a sudden now you're looking undefeated and, and then you're looking like PA. And I don't see a loss anywhere else on this schedule yeah. until you Need get down guys. to Iowa, Wisconsin. Yeah, got to find it. I can't find it. You know, it's Iowa, Wisconsin at the end of the year. And then if they're undefeated up to that point, it's it's game college game day will be in Minnesota for the Iowa-Minnesota game if they are undefeated by November 19th. It, it has to happen. There's no way. The Fashion Fest with the Minnesota Masonic uh, Children's Hospital is the November 18th night. I just got that email. So there will be a little fashion show before the Iowa game. The Iowa, they usually give out tickets from P.J. Fleck and Heather to a, a lucky uh, bidder because it's a, it is for charity. So whoever bids on it gets like a you know private suite tickets uh, to come and sit in P.J.'s suite. So I know Heather and P.J. always do that with uh, Brack. So it's going to be an exciting time in November. We can't go, you know, like, like PJ would say, Owen, Owen won. This is the championship New Mexico uh, state season. When you talk about the handshake heard around the world and, and, and this is how I've prefaced it. I had Brian Williams on Max Williams dad yesterday and Brian and I had to talk about Jerry kill because he recruited Max. Um, I put it as a man that had anger. that didn't understand why. And Jerry Kill's comments, as he gets further down this rabbit hole and starts to say stuff like, Minnesota was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, you know, people don't understand how hurt I really was when I had to leave because of my health. People don't understand how much it hurt me when they fired Tracy Clays. All that stuff is just a man not understanding and misplaced anger. He has misplaced anger towards PJ because PJ came in, said the word changing culture, Jerry took it personal, which had nothing to do with him. It's just what every coach does when they – I mean, P.J. Fleck could replace Joe Paterno. He could replace uh, B Belichick. He's going to say, I got to change the culture. Like, that's just what you do. You could replace the best coach ever, but you have to change the culture. It is what it is. You know, Mike Tomlin yeah. said that with the Steelers. You know, he said, I'm going in, and Bill Cowher was a great coach, won Super Bowls. I got to create my own culture now. This is my team. And he said, I'm going to start off by being blah, 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 blah. Because I think he's a player's coach now, you know, not as authoritative as Bill Cower was and, and Chuck Noll uh, from I heard the stories from my dad. So everybody changed the culture. But when you think about Jerry Kill and P.J. Fleck, do you think that like three weeks down the road after this season, you know, and tune and realize, you know what? I've been mad for no reason. I've been taking personal shots at a guy that has nothing to do with me personally. Do you think that will happen? Or do you think this will be one of those quick Pat Fitzgerald, you know, handshake smack on the back to Harbaugh and then run off? It's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I, th <laughs> I, I, I would say this. I, I, I have, people have asked me about the situation. And I guess the term I use is I, I think it's a sad situation. Um, this could have been a week that we all could have looked forward to to welcome back Jerry, who did really great things for this program, right? I mean, he, mm -hmm. he got this program back to, uh, you know, some – uh, respectability. He got this program back to expectations being that, hey, you're going to go to bowl games. 
Um, and, and he developed a lot of players that even now are playing in the NFL here uh, through the Gopher program. Uh, he recruited some of the guys that were on that great 2019 team, including a Tyler Johnson and Carter Coughlin and others who were, you know, developed by mostly PJ flex staff, but they were recruited by, by that group. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was a, there's a lot of accomplishment there, but it has certainly been marred. Um, and I agree with you. I think all coaches are this way a little bit, um, no matter on which side of the, the spectrum you fall. And, and it becomes a little bit almost like politics now where you just basically cheer for the mascot, right? If you're a mm-hmm. gopher fan, you're cheering for Goldie. If you're a Hawkeye fan, you're cheering for Herky. You know, if you're a <laughs> Wisconsin fan, you're cheering for Bucky. And the truth sometimes doesn't matter as we're seeing mm-hmm. some on occasion in politics now, right? Um, you just are going to cheer for the mascot. And so we all live in our own little world. You know, um, anyone who's hung out with me for any time, that's one of, one of my life sayings is we all kind of live in our own little world. And occasionally, sometimes you need to take a look outside the world. And I think this is my own opinion. I haven't talked a lot about it. I think as all coaches do, they live in their own little world. And I think Jerry living in his own little world couldn't uh, look outside the world to see the situation because um, as you said, first of all, now we know what we know about PJ Fleck um, mm-hmm. and how he coaches. It's a unique way. He's talked about the fact it's not for everybody. Um, and so now looking back, especially with the with the uh, with the hindsight of five years going on six now, um, of course, he's going to use the word culture with how he coaches right him right. more than even other coaches. And as you mentioned, you've cited others who will use culture. So he's going to use that term. And then I think um, it, it, Jerry took offense to it. And I think from that point on, and 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 PJ early on was made aware that Jerry didn't like the way he handled that opening press conference about changing culture. And if you notice mm-hmm. from that point on, almost any time PJ Flex talks about culture, he qualifies it. He says, hey, um, you know, this is our culture. Doesn't mean it's better than anyone's culture, just the way we do mm-hmm. it or the way I do it as a coach um, using, right. you know, his words. So I, I think that that it was looked upon, you know, unfavorably. Um, I think uh, I think there were also some things in regard to to, um, you know, maybe Jerry hoping that that uh, PJ would hire some of the staff members because they had done a nice yep. job here. But again, not really being able to look outside and the way things go. Coaches don't do that. I mean, Jerry didn't right. keep any of Tim Brewster's staff in terms of the coaches. He, he did keep a couple of staff members behind the scenes, a Dan O'Brien, you know, one of the great people in the world. Um, and, you know, you'd, you'd be foolish not to keep a guy like that. But um, coaches don't do that. So I think there were a couple of things that, that he got offended by. And, um, and, you know, coaches are also stubborn. And sometimes they're good because they're stubborn. Um, and sometimes mm-hmm. it brings out some things that just uh, aren't, uh, you know, aren't uh, the, the best look optically. And I think that, unfortunately, is what the crux of this thing is. And, and sometimes you get stubborn and you won't, you, you won't back down. And here we are talking about handshakes, pregame handshakes. And I do know this. Uh, for, for P.J. Fleck, the pregame handshake is and, – and I think Jerry kills this way as well. Uh, you know, that's a tradition that coaches, they meet at the 50-yard line at some point. Sometimes they talk mm-hmm. for 10 seconds. Sometimes they hug each other. Uh, sometimes it's a 10- or 12- or 20-minute conversation, especially if, if you're good buddies. And um, P.J. and I have had some talks about handshakes over the years, and he made a little reference to that in his news conference on Friday, this past Friday, where he said, I've never not shaken the other head coach's hand in the pregame. And then he made a quick reference, if you, if you listen closely, he said, I've had to chase a guy or two down. Uh, meaning maybe okay. maybe the other guy, not that he doesn't like P.J., maybe he 
doesn't do with pregame handshakes, but PJ makes right. it a point because he's in a, you know, as much as an outside the box thinker as he is and, and a unique approach, he's about as old school as it gets. You just have to look at game plans from last year, right? To understand that he's an old school dude. It's a disciplined right. team. It's a hard-nosed team. It's a tough team. Uh, he requires his players to do more than a lot of other coaches will require their you know, players to do. And so part of that is a respect for the game and a respect for the opposing coach. And he wants to go shake the guy's hand. And so um, I think they'll shake hands. Uh, now what the reaction is going to be in the pregame, um, I guess we'll all have our eyes on that. Uh, to see what uh, uh, you know, what Jerry Kill wants to do with that handshake, but I don't think there's any doubt PJ uh, will will uh, go try to find the, the head coach of New Mexico State, Jerry Kill, and see uh, extend his hand and see what the uh, what the uh, ultimate answer will be. Yeah, I mean, I don't think if if Jerry Kill had went to like Iowa, Wisconsin, I could see Minnesota's players and Wisconsin's players getting into like a Florida Miami pregame like fight or something. <laughs> I could, it, I just don't think there's enough tension between these two teams to even care uh, enough yeah. about the coaches. I mean, they do know it because they have social media and they can't turn it off uh, unless PJ said, "Hey, we're going zero dark thirty, no phones for this week." Um, but they've seen it. They they see it on Twitter because we all tweet it. But here's another handshake question I have for you. Do you think that Jerry Kill will shake Justin Guard's hand either before or after the game? Because Justin Guard, for those that don't know, him and Dan Barrero uh, were up in arms about the Dunkers scheduling Jerry Kill this week to speak. And because of the outroar of them and then their fans and their Twitter following, uh, the Dunkers canceled Jerry Kill. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Jerry Kill's heard why and he's seen the tweets and people are talking. Do you think he's going to have a little animosity now towards JG for canceling his speaking engagement? It's a good question. I, I, I hadn't thought of that. Um, I, I talked to JG last night, um, and, you know, we in our pregame show oftentimes will have uh, – sometimes it's the opposing coach, sometimes it's the opposing play-by-play uh, -play -play announcer. And mm -hmm. um, I do know that he um, uh, chose to go the route of an, uh, interviewing the play-by-play -play announcer this week. So, um, <laughs> that, that's, so I, don't, I honestly don't know the answer to that, uh, whether uh, there's going to be a, a situation where they're going to shake hands or not. <laughs> um, but uh, we shall see. I imagine Jerry Kill has like a board or like a, a list, like the dude from uh, not Happy Gilmore, but what was the other Adam Sandler movie when he went back to school and then that guy at the end had like a, a list of stuff? A hit list? <laughs> yeah, remember it was like a hit list and then Happy yeah. Gilmore or uh, Adam Sandler called him and said, hey, I was, I'm sorry for what I did to you growing up. And then the guy crossed him off but then put lipstick on. Like I feel like Jerry Kill, like, it's probably going to take PJ off because he's like, you know what, I've been going to. But he's added Barrero and JG. Like, all right, if I see you guys in the street, it's going to be a problem because I was yeah. I was scheduled to, to get paid to come here and speak and be a guest speaker, and now you've ruined this for me. Uh, I hate you. And then, you know, like the whole Skeletor, He-Man battle. Like, you know, I get to see Jerry Kill, like, just just looking at JG over there. But who knows? Because Jerry, I mean, I would have never said Jerry Kill could hold a grudge, but now we know he can. Um, yeah. so I'd be, I'd be surprised if he didn't, but you know, what? Well, We're gonna no do doubt, fun I mean, I was just, you're <laughs> right. I mean, that I don't know, but I do know this. You're right. And all coaches are this way, right? They, they, ha if you're, you're not going to be very good if you don't have some self-esteem. And I think, you know, there's no doubt that, uh, Jerry kill, like a lot of coaches, including PJ Fleck, including Nick Saban, including any of them, um, you know, they, they've got some pride about their business and they would, especially when you've accomplished some stuff and rebuild a program or done that. And so sometimes uh, you take a hit to the armor 
and the th the skin's a little thin and and you know you don't like the criticism N none of us like to be criticized right ever um and so i think I, I think you're right the grudge the grudge is there they're not you know uh, forgetting i just wish i just wish it wasn't that way i wish that uh, everything would be water under the bridge and it'd be fun because this could be fun i mean we all i enjoyed working with jerry um, but I don't yeah. understand. I don't understand this lengthy situation that he's got going here. I really don't. And I hope. I hope eventually, because I think PJ would have been totally willing to bring him in, and bring him back, um, and Jerry would have been welcomed. You know, in in many of those off seasons. I mean, Jerry is a guy that has enough experience that he he could talk to a team about some stuff that could be of value. But he right. obviously has. Uh, I mean, he's he's beyond wanting to do that at this point. So um, we're we're we are where we are, and. Um, I think a lot of folks will just be glad when Thursday's done and uh, we look on to Western Illinois. All right, well, here we go. We're going to pivot. We're going to do the daily three. So Sam Ekstrom's yep. going to come in. He's going to give us both a question. We both get like a minute and a half to answer. There'll be a clock. Uh, real quick and easy stuff. And this segment is brought to you by BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. They've got all your sports wagering information, whether that's MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, golf. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening. Bet Online, where the game starts. Mike Grimm, the hay is in the barn, you said, and that means you've got all the knowledge of all the, the roster. You know all the new players on the Gophers, so you need to explain for a casual like me, who really, you know, listens to you on Saturday, and that's where I get all my information. I know Morgan, I know Ibrahim, I know Chris Ottman-Bell, John Michael Schmitz. I don't know a lot of other guys on this roster, so I want you to tell me about a player that no one's talking about that we will be talking about by the end of the season. I'll give you two. Uh, they both play along the defensive front. Um, a guy that I think is being overlooked, who was a big contributor last year, is Thomas Rush, defensive end. Um, he and Boye Mafe really kind of split that rush in position. And if you look at their stats, they're kind of the same or similar. I mean, Thomas Rush, I think, was at five and a half or six and a half sacks last year. He's going to now play uh, more on pass rushing downs. So Thomas Rush, I think, is a guy that we'll, we'll be hearing about more that maybe isn't getting the pub that he should be at this point of the season and then a guy who has not played one single down yet he's a redshirt freshman also a defensive end who I've liked from the first time I saw him on scout team uh, had a great spring game a kid named Austin Booker he wears number three and look I don't know if it'll happen this week or next but I'm going to say by October uh, people will be paying attention to number three a number near and dear to Ron Johnson's heart Austin Booker <laughs> defensive end <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I, I was, you know, I'm not going to even go there with the three, but you're right. I mean, three is the best number. So usually, because um, which running back wore it last year? There was a running back that had three last Potts. year. Trey Potts. Is he back, right? Yeah. So he's wearing three, and then this guy's wearing three on defense. See, that, that's just that's just how good the number is. You just can't, you, one person can't have it. It's like Pringles. Can't have <laughs> enough threes out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the guy I'll say, and we've talked about him last year during Ohio State, I'm going to say Dalen Wright. I think Dalen Wright in this offense under Kirk Shiraka, Kirk Shiraka, uh, not to say created Tyler and Rashad Bateman, but he made them really good. Like he put them in certain positions, ran certain routes, had certain, you know, the, the slant and go from the slot. You know, you don't see that a lot. So you're putting a lot of pressure on that safety to choose. He chooses wrong. You go back outside. We call it a sluggo seam. One guy runs a, a slant and go. The other guy runs a seam route. 
safety picks wrong. Tanner hits the guy that's open. I think with Chris Altman Bell and Dalen Wright, we also, I mean, you got, you got, uh, you got, um, uh, Brown Stevens, you got Jackson, you got these other guys, but I'm going to, so I'm going to go Dalen Wright. It, it, you know, I think last year he dealt with a lot of mental stuff off the field, deaths and family, uh, friends that passed away. Um, and, and the coaches just kept saying that like, man, if he can mentally get it together, he physically has the gifts. I watch him this spring during the spring practice and game. I mean, this guy's making one handed catches like it's nothing. And so if he can mentally stay dialed in, and we know off the field can't be stopped, but hopefully I pray to God, you know, that, that everybody's family, not just his, stays safe this season. We know some crazy things going on in this world. Um, if, if he can have a healthy, mentally stable season, this guy physically is gifted. Like he is going to be a receiver that people in the, not just Minnesota, but in the Big Ten can talk about because Chris Altman Bell needs, needs another guy. Like, I'm not going to say Batman and Robin because I don't think we're either. I think this is more like, you know, Captain America and, and Thor. Like, you need two you need two Avengers. You need two great guys. And I think Dalen Wright can be that guy this year. All right. So, those are your underrated players. Now, I want to talk about underrated opponents. A little more schedule talk. When you look at this Big Ten slate, Mike Grimm, what's a team that the, Viking, or the, the Gophers might be overlooking? Obviously, Iowa, Wisconsin, those are the games you circle. But... Who is going to be a test for this Gophers team earlier in the schedule? Yeah, I think two games stick out to me. Uh, and let me preface this by saying, if, as we talked about with Ron earlier, if, if this team wants to get where it's got to get, they're probably going to need to pull off two or three upsets because you're at Penn State, you're at Michigan State, you're at Wisconsin. They're going to be underdogs in all three of those already. Then you've got these other games that you need to take care of. So the two that stand out are the game home against Purdue. I think Purdue is is one of the underrated dark horse kind of candidates to win the West one because their schedule um, is favorable. They don't play Michigan, Ohio State, or Michigan State. Um, and, uh, you know, Minnesota has that on the, on the docket as well, that they don't play Ohio State or Michigan. So that's the good news. However, I do think it's a trickier, uh, kind of under-the-radar, tougher schedule. Purdue at home. So Purdue, um, you know, has given a lot of teams problems. P.J. Fleck has handled Purdue over the years. So, you know, they're going to be fired up to come in here and try to, to win. I think they felt like they should have won that game last year in West Lafayette. And then Illinois, at Illinois, over the years, that has been, even when Illinois has been down, that's been a tough place for the Gophers. I remember uh, one of the years uh, Jerry Kill's team that uh, went to the Citrus Bowl, that really good team in that 2014 or 2015 now, no, 2014, uh, they went in and stubbed their toe against a not very good Illinois team. Uh, and then, of course, we know what happened um, here at Huntington Bank Stadium last year uh, where, where Illinois gave up just one touchdown, and that was it, and that was late in the game against the Gophers. So, one, the Gophers should be fired up for that game. But I think those are two kind of, you know, games that um, you better win those if you want to end up where you're going, and it's not going to be easy. Neither of those games will be a picnic. Um, I'm going to go with the P.J. Trap games, Nebraska and Northwestern. The reason being is Nebraska is not that good, but they can, they can, they, they hate Minnesota. We know that. And Scott Frost being so close, they've been wanting to create a rivalry with Minnesota. It started with, I think, the kill era. There were some back and forth games with Brian, uh, Brian Body Calhoun and some big plays. Um, and then Minnesota since then has kind of dominated. Uh, you look at Northwestern, we saw what they did against Nebraska, so they're resilient. They're able to bounce back. But those two games can get overlooked because you have Iowa-Wisconsin coming up the next two weeks, and everybody's going to be talking about Iowa-Wisconsin even before 
those two weeks. So I think one, you know, November 5th, November 12th, you got after that, you got Thanksgiving coming up and then you got uh, Wisconsin. So that week alone, those are going to be heavily talked about games. And that's why I think Nebraska and Northwestern are two teams you cannot overlook. Because if you lose those games, throw it all, throw, not say throw the season away, but just get ready for the the the, the Motor City Bowl or something because that's what's going to end up happening at that point. But, yeah, don't overlook Nebraska. Last one for you guys, a fun one to end. Everyone's talking about Big Ten expansion. And there are no geographic limit, limits anymore, Mike Grimm. So if you had your pick of the litter, if you could add one program to this conference from anywhere in the country which program would you choose and i'll even allow you to think of it in basketball terms because you are the voice of ben's basketball as well maybe it's a duke that you'd want to add uh <laughs> what would be your pick well it's a two two-way street if it were just purely for travel purposes i'd take miami university right uh, middle mm -hmm. of January, got to go play the Hurricanes in basketball season. That's fine. But if it's for athletic purposes, um, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing Notre Dame in this thing because Notre Dame getting added to the Big Ten uh, makes every – it doesn't matter who Notre Dame plays, and people can hate Notre Dame, and that's part of why it doesn't matter who, who Notre Dame plays. Uh, it becomes a, a, a game with some cachet. I mean, Notre Dame coming to Huntington Bank Stadium would be a big deal here, but it'd be a big deal everywhere. That game would be a primetime game probably. Notre Dame going to Rutgers would even matter. Notre Dame's clearly going to USC, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, some of those. Notre Dame and Indiana is an in-state game. So Notre Dame and anybody in football is a big deal, and that might be the only, you know, program that we're talking about the Big Ten looking at that, that would be – that big of a of a marquee game no matter what happens and they're pretty good in basketball i mean that wouldn't be a great trip in february to go to south bend indiana to watch notre dame in minnesota uh you know so if if i could choose i suppose i'd take notre dame football and let's bring in miami of florida basketball and um you know if they want to throw some football too but notre dame's my answer uh sam yeah i like notre dame um I do like Notre Dame even from the basketball standpoint. Notre Dame women's basketball is legit. True. Like they yeah. are really good. Uh, Notre Dame, uh, when you when you think about their baseball program as well, so it, it's some tricky ones in there. I'm gonna say one that I thought about UCF. They're in Orlando, so from a travel standpoint, even for football, the football program has been good. Um, it is a team that would be better than Rutgers. But if I had to pick, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the travel with that. I do like the Miami one. Um, I'm going to say, you know what? And I'm going to say one that might actually could happen too. Uh, one of the Carolinas. Like, I, I could see like North Carolina or South Carolina feeling slighted because nobody's talking about them right now. Um, and then you do get basketball out of one of them, you get football kind of out of both. Um, and, and that's an area that can help Penn State. But from an easy standpoint of just making a call, I actually like Pitt. Like, I think Pitt could be easy too because it gives you Penn State. And that's another one where I'm looking at ge geographically. Pitt, Penn State adds another rival. It doesn't make a far travel from Minnesota. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking more logical of like, I'm, I'm Kevin Warren right now. I'm like, who can I really add? Um, but if I had to just pick and say, yeah, let's go get somebody, I'd probably say Duke. I do like the Duke just because, and that is a Carolina area. So I could say Duke for the simple fact of basketball is great and football, they're not going to make any noise. So it's just add another number to the, to the program but they're making Big Ten basketball even better. So I could see Duke as well. Got to go with Hawaii. 
for travel purposes. <laughs> that's I mean, that a, that's a good one. A long that's flight a to, go, to go do football. Um, I will, uh, let me add, too, with Notre Dame, and you know this, Sam, as a hockey guy, that you know they're already in the Big Ten in hockey. Um, so that, those rivalries have already started. So, you know, you bring them into football you, you, and the rest, uh, you're right there. So I'd keep an it's eye gonna, on Notre Dame in the next handful Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I didn't know about the hockey one. That's actually a good point. They, they might actually come because they are a free agent, quote, unquote, if you think about their TV schedule. Kevin Warren signing the $7.5 billion TV contract. So I think for Notre Dame now, they're like, oh, NBC, I don't know. You got to – and then and you know what's going to happen? I guarantee NBC and everybody else will all come to Kevin Warren and say, hey, can we all get some of these games because you have enough teams now that you can spread out across multiple networks. And that's going to be something that's never been done before. I think that's going to be the next Kevin Warren great move is going to be like, you know what? We don't need just one TV partner. You all want our games. How much are you willing to pay for these games? And then let's talk. I could see Kevin Warren might have NBC, Fox, Big Ten Network, every and ESPN all clamoring for his games because if he has Notre Dame, there's probably some, and he's a lawyer, there's probably some legal loophole about adding them and then getting their TV rights into your conference. So I think mm-hmm. Kevin Warren, like he's not a he's, a, he's a smart guy. We all know that from his yeah. Vikings days. No doubt. So I can see that happening. But I want to thank Mike Grimm for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. I want to thank Sam Ekstrom, Matt DeBritz back there working the keys. I want to thank everybody that continues to download, listen, and subscribe. Please continue to subscribe, like, share. Comment in the comments. Let us know. What do you think? Is P.J. Fleck going to shake hands with Jerry Kill? Is Jerry Kill going to snub J.G.? Is, is, is J.G. going to get axed during the game by Mike Grimm? What does he think about the dunkers? And does Jerry Kill look like he's snarling at him? Uh, what do you think about the Gopher schedule? How soon can they become bowl eligible when you look at their first eight games? And also, please, like, share, and again, comment. Give us a five-star rating if you enjoy it. Tell your friends about it. Have a great day. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.